Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. I hope you're doing well today. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode... I got to sit down with Dennis Greaves of Nine Below Zero, and it was a wonderful chat. You're about to find out exactly how wonderful it was. Um, I mean, when your conversations involve what it's like going on tour with the Kinks, uh, what it's like being one of the bands that was on The Young Ones, you know you're in for a good chat. And uh, Dennis is instantly so, so likeable. You, you're going to really enjoy this episode. And um, before I get started with it, just a thanks to uh, 76 for producing this. Uh, thanks to Scribius Pip and everybody over at the Distraction Pieces Network. And just quickly, if you do enjoy this episode, then please have a look in the, the back catalogue. You can go over and listen on Spotify iTunes, Acast, um, and if you are over on any of those and you get a chance to subscribe or uh, give us a review, then then that's much appreciated. Um, yeah, and have a good route around in the in the archives because um, there's stacks of uh, episodes where I get to chat to musicians, producers, DJs, actors. It's it, there's there's a lot for you to get stuck into, and and if that's not enough, then. I also put a weekly show out on Patreon, so I have a Patreon page as well. Um, and the, the, I mean, the one-stop shop to find out about all of this is uh, off the beaten track podcast.com. So why not head over there and have a look? But let's get back to the job at hand, which is me introducing today's episode. Please enjoy Off the Beaten Track Podcast with Dennis Greaves. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable, and water based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. 
let's get back to that podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu Whipping. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. And sitting opposite me today is Dennis Graves. Good afternoon. Evening? Where are we? Afternoon, mate. Good afternoon. You all right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, very nice. Lovely part of the world. It's all right. Yeah. Bit of East London. Bit of difference. It's uh, probably changed a bit over... Uh, Hasn't it just? Yeah, it's uh, it's a stranger. It I wish I bought property on the, uh, oh, on the dockside. <laughs> it's 40 years ago. Oh, man. Can you imagine what you would have got a plot for around no, here years ridiculous. ago? I remember um, I got married in 79, right? The band changed in 89 below zero in 79. And for my honeymoon, I couldn't afford a honeymoon, so we had a night in the Tower Hotel. And I remember it being just a bomb site all around yeah. the Tower Hotel. You know? uh, so Catherine's Dock, I don't think it was, was even there. Early, I'm just thinking now. Yeah. <gasps> Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> right, um, Dennis, we always start this podcast with track one, which yeah. uh, I'm going to ask you what you think is the song with the greatest ever intro. I, what did I put? Did I put Waterloo Sunset? You certainly did. Yeah. Now, the trouble is, Gordon, if I'd have, you've asked me them questions the next day, it would have been five different Of course, things. of course. Because there's so much amazing music that's been around. So, yeah, Waterloo Sunset, the intro on the guitar... Uh, the setup of the tune, probably I think they actually used it as an A-level study of a pop song. So you've got the intro, the verse, the bridge, the middle eight, mm. melody, lyrics. It's got everything. As a songwriter, you aspire to this man, Ray Davis. As what? As a perfect pop record? Perfect in okay. every sense of the word. Because the sort of the intro's loaded a little bit, isn't it? Because it's like that, dun, 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 dun. and then it goes again, doesn't yeah. it? With the, yeah. the kind of the play yes. over, the lead, yes. or whatever you want yeah, to call Dave, it. Dave playing the riff, yeah, yeah. Because I toured with them, and um, I, you know, I had the privilege of spending many, many, many nights talking to Ray and Dave about this, you know. Um, and they were born in uh, Muswell Hill. Yeah, I was born in Tuffling Park. They were Arsenal. I was Tottenham. We had some lovely nights. How was that touring with the Kings? Unbelievable, fantastic. First of all, we walked into to the auditorium and the tour manager sat us all down and said, you are not allowed to do this, you're not allowed there, don't look at the band, you're not allowed to speak, speak you know, when you're spoken to, blah, blah, blah. Within two days, we were all over it. We was in the dressing room with them, we were everywhere yeah. because they saw in us themselves. Yeah, of course. Little R&B band, yeah. you know, starting up. Um, it got on great, loved it. Fond, fond memories and... and Ryan Dave are just, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'm hearing rumours that there's there's kink stuff happening with them. Apparently, apparently, but you know, Ian Ian Gibbons died last week, last month. Poor Jim Jim Rodford, their bass player, uh, not the original Peter Quaife, but the 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 second bass player. He died. I mean, it's ridiculous. And he died. He fell down the stairs. And I'm hoping he was drunk, and and rock and roll. Yeah, you know, I hope he didn't tread on his dressing gown or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want Jim to have gone out in in, in a really a good... A place of rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's trod on his slipper and fell down the stairs. Oh, no, Jim was lovely. And Jim was in, like, early Alex, Alexis Corner bands. Jim was in the 50s playing R&B, and we used to get these stories from Jim about the early... Because I'm fascinated by it. That's why I am here talking to you now, was them early, early John Mal, Georgie Fame gigs at the Flamingo, the Marquee. That's my dream. Cyril Davis, the early Rolling Stones. T t just going back there, tell mm. me, what was that like seeing Georgie Fame like, at that point? Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I, I can't explain it, really. You just had to be there. And there's only, like... In a club of 100, 200 people, yeah. rammed into a small club. Those were the great times, you know. Yeah. I went to the Marquee once. In one week, I saw the jam. I saw this young band from Australia called ACDC make their first gig in London. And a band called Up. And Jeff Beck got up and played with them. Up were from Lewisham. And that was the diversity, you know. And then down the road, you got Dire Straits starting in a pub in Deptford. And then you got a bloke called Elvis Costello 
playing the Nashville rooms, great times. Great times well, for that's, music. That's a good couple of weeks of gigs, isn't it? Ain't bad, is it? So, I mean, around about that time, I, I guess that was... Because I, I can't think who it was I spoke to on this, mm. this, this podcast about the, 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 sort of the pub rock scene. Mm. Because... Really, really, really. There, there wasn't really small venues, was there? It was pubs that was putting on the... In the, the back... But pubs back then, and, and lots of them were closing, but they would have a back room yeah. that would hold two, three hundred, four hundred people. Um, like the Nashville rooms, for example. Where was that? Uh, right on the A4, just as you come round um, from... Uh, so you're on the A4, just as you're going up towards Heathrow on the left. Massive, enormous pub. Um, the, the Greyhound in Fulham. Yeah. Another one. Um, all these pubs. And it's where we did our apprenticeship. Yeah. It's an apprenticeship. You know, play in front of blokes who want to gob at you or slag you off or swear at you. You've got to handle it. You do yeah. it. It's great. How was them early years? Um, tough, but good. Um, I would have all the guitarists in front of me. Mark would have all the harmonica players in front of him. And the bass players were standing in front of us. It was great. Like Hope and Anchor held 60 people yeah. in, in, in Islington. Unbelievable. Just great, great, great times. And, you know, and you'd have the damned playing there one week, nine below zero another week. You, you got the madness starting up around the corner. Just a, a real wonderful time to be in London. And what, a, I mean, just them three bands there, mm. obviously you mentioned your band, mm. obviously Nine Below Zero, mm. and then you mentioned Madness and The mm. Damned, mm. and like, what three completely different yeah, well, that's how sounds, we we but were, you we, could easily see all three of them on yeah, the same bill, and, and, it, go, and it'd work. You, and you'd go. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, I don't think we pigeonholed so much as yeah. we do now. Um, it was a healthier situation. Um, yeah, you can see Nine Below Zero and The Damned. All right. Well, look, we got, uh, as this podcast unfolds, we'll definitely start about how the band come together sure, and sure. stuff. Um, but first of all, I'm going to um, ask you for the second track. What the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? I can't remember. Was it My Generation? It wasn't. It was Brooke Benton. Oh, Christ, yes. So, right. So, um, it's my mum and dad's record collection. Mm -hmm. So, in my mum and dad's record collection was Frank Sinatra, Johnny Mathis, and this particular track, Brooke Benton. And I only realised, as I got older, why I liked it. And it, it's blues with a bunch of strings on it to make it commercial. Yeah. Mm. And but Brooke Benton's voice is like velvet and bluesy. And I didn't realise, so I gravitated towards that. Yes, I heard Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra, Johnny Mathis, all the crooners that mum and dad had uh, early. Uh, they, you know, mum liked Cliff Richard, dad didn't like Cliff Richard. Um, and that their record collection, Adam Faith, my mum's like, so I've, I've still got the box of EPs and records. And, uh, yeah, Brooke Benton, uh, this, this particular kiddio, Oh, stunning vocal, yeah, and it was blues, and I didn't know it at the time as a kid, so I must have been three, four. And how would that, you know, when I asked what track, you know, gave you an emotional mm. impact, how did that impact on you emotionally? What was it? Was it? I, I, I played it repeatedly, played it, played it, wanted to be him, um, wanted wanted it so badly, it, you know, you just, I think you know, you're almost like. You know, I've got a couple of autistic children and autistic people I get gravitated to, and I think it is a certain autism of 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 like just just surrounding yourself and immersing yourself in one thing only. I have repeated it so much so that mum and dad like thought I was ill. You know. Do you still do that if you find a new record? Yeah. Play it, play it, play yeah. it, play it. I'd yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah, funny, Exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Do and you... I, I think music has that power. A hundred percent. Yes, yes. At an early age, even when you was listening to yeah. these records, was you sort of in any way, shape or form deconstructing them and working out how maybe they were layered and how they were put together? Yeah, I was very interested in that. Really interested in... in um, what made them tick, yeah, yeah. Why did you start messing around with, with making music? Seven, probably, seven. Yeah. Guitar? Uh, guitar, yeah, always guitar. Didn't go to the piano. 
And funny, with my children, I put them to piano and, get, and drums for... I think, as I've learned, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and, and, and if you've got children, put them to the piano and drums. So that's... And they're very related in, in percussion and timekeeping. Mm. My timekeeping is not as good as I'd like it to be, but my children's are because they gravitated to drums and keyboards. What do you put that down to? Like, the rhythm? An inner clock. Yeah. An inner... Metronome, like in, in a metronome, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is. It's 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 fascinating. Okay, so why did you choose a guitar? Uh, probably wanted to be up front. <laughs> Ego. <laughs> was your show off? Yeah, always was at school. Yeah, yeah, very much Dennis the Menace at school. Yeah, out, you know, outwardly bubbly yeah. and friendly. You know, and I put that down to my mum and dad. You know, gave me a great start. Great start. I've written a song for them on the album called Roots and Wings. Uh, and it's about parenting, about giving your kids a really good start, but you've got to give them the wings to fly. Yeah. You know, so it's getting that balance. Okay. All right, well, look, you, 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 you touched on school now. Mm. So, so I'm going to ask you what the song is that reminds you of your time at school. What did I say? Free. Oh, my dad... Um, and again, funny, linking to parenting, uh, would pick me up um, uh, at school. I didn't like school dinners. Right. So he picked me up in the Old Kent Road. Yeah. And um, if it wasn't the test match cricket on yeah. um, in the summer, especially the summer, it was the radio. And luckily, mum and dad loved their music. So I, he picked me and Dave Crockwell up, uh, my mate, and um, my brother Jake was on the radio. And, um, wow, uh, the melody, I mean, Paul Rogers could sing that the sky is green and I'd believe him. Um, he's just one of those amazing uh, white boy singers, you know, white soul singers. And Free, I always love Free. Yeah. Love Free. I don't know why. Simple. When I listen back to it now, if you play the Free albums, oh, just quality songwriting. Uh, the whole band, Simon Kirk. Andy Fraser was 17 when he wrote All Right Now. And he was in, um, I think he was in John Mel's Blues Breakers for a week and he got the sack. But at 16, you know, amazing talent. Paul Kossoff, well, you know, lovely, lovely story there, but unfortunately ended sadly. Um, and as I say, Paul Rogers, I just saw uh, today, Paul Rogers tweeted, and I wondered why he and, and, and uh, Mick Ralphs got together. His band, Paul Rogers' band, Peace, supported Mott the Hoople in 1971. So he would have met Mick Ralphs. Yeah. So they hence became Bad Company. So that was that link. That was nice to find out. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, My brother Jake, what a song. So the minute you hear that, does that literally yeah, take you I'm straight back, back to that car? My dad, my dad picking me up in a... F- Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Ford Escort, red Ford Escort. Um, 1971, that was out. Me and Dave Crock were getting in it with a cheese and tomato sandwich. Going home quickly, for because I was at Wolves School, so we had an hour of lunch. I could get home really quick. And Dad picking us up, and that was on the radio. And so you said, you know, you was a bit of a shaft at school. And, and I, I, you know, if he's playing guitar at school and stuff like that, um, what opportunities did you feel were available to you at that age at, in that school? What, the, what was great, and I've just been talking to Asher about this, uh, about um, what was available was um, our school decided uh, to do productions. So we were the first ever school to do Tommy. And I, I got the local lad song, so I sung, I sung Pinball Wizard. That was terrific. We did Oh, What a Lovely War. So, How old was you? Uh, 11, 12 and 13. Oh, yeah. So I, I wasn't very good at school. Academically, I found it, of course, I found out later I'm dyslexic and, and all that jargon. But at school, after school, we, we rehearsed the, these plays and we did Oh, What a Lovely War. Um... Um, about Bally High, um, that one, um, South Pacific, and we did Tommy, first school to ever do Tommy. That's when I knew I was most comfortable in my skin was on stage, isn't it funny? And that gave me the opportunity. And this is why I get very upset when the arts and crafts in schools are, are not being attended to, you know. Yeah. There was too much to academia, not everyone's the same. We need our music and arts and crafts in our school for young children to express themselves. Completely. You know? Um, I don't think there is... You know, for someone that wasn't academically great myself, yeah. but was always interested in making mm. music or mm -hmm. drawing and things mm -hmm. like that, Mm -hmm. drawing, yeah, it, absolutely. It feels that like mm. there's not as much emphasis is ever no, placed on that than no. there is in you it know. Was, I was lucky, you know, back in the day there was there was mm. there was that facility. You you could be, I mean, as I said, the, the plays and everything like that. And and you know what, all them kids, and one of them's my wife. We met at school. My wife, uh, all our mates, all went on to be sort of. Arts and crafty yeah. in theatres, working in theatres, yeah. potters. They were, you know, one of my mates. He makes pots. Yeah. You know, it's funny, isn't it? We gravitated yeah. together, and were, were were the artistic, creative children in school, and they all went on to do great things. You know, did you gravitate to each other? Did you have a good yes, gang of pals at school? Did. Of course you did. Yeah, like-minded people. Yeah, and. and you know, you've got to think that the music teacher had so much to do with that. Yeah. He, he's the reason, another reason I'm sitting here talking to you. Yeah. He gave you that opportunity to be who you want to be. So you're there on stage belting yeah. out the hits of Tommy. Yeah. Fast forward a few years. Do you tour with a who? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's surreal, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Can you believe it? How was that? Can you that? believe it? Oh, man. I mean, just, just, just tell me yeah. what it's like, Dennis, when yeah. the label or your manager yeah. calls you and says, yeah. you're going to start doing some shows yeah. with a who. Well, I, I mean, how, I, how do you compute that? I, I think you have to go back to the record label, A&M. And we, the business was different then. We had filters. So when we signed to A&M, we had an A&R department. Um, we signed without ever writing a song. We got a grand publishing deal. I ain't written a song. We bought a van, we bought a PA, it was on the road. We were going, it was all very low key. We, and, and by the way, on A&M on was the Carpenters, Peter Frampton, The Police, Squeeze, Joan Armour Trading, quality, quality um, there's us from the Thomas of Beckett on A&M Records, but we had A&R. They saw something in us, right? So fast forward, they were able to, oh, of course, here's how we got the who. We'd gone in with Glyn Johns. We're working with Glyn Johns, Rolling Stones, The Beatles. We, we did more talking about The Beatles and The Stones than we did recording on the first album. Kenny Jones came down one night, who just joined The Who because Keith had died, and he tuned our snare, he tuned the kit uh, and, and showed Mickey, you know, because Glyn had worked with um, uh, um, Jonesy on the uh, Faces stuff. Yeah. So he's all, all over the Faces. He's just joined The Who. And Jonesy went off and just said, oh, I think we should have Nine Below Zero on the bill. So we shared it with the Q-Tips, the Ruts DC, and Nine Below Zero. 
all of a sudden, we're on the road with the Who. We turned up at Lewisham Odeon in the first ever gig. In comes Kerbishley, the manager, bottle of champagne for the band. A class act, welcome. You know, lovely, lovely yeah. way to introduce yourself yeah. to it. My fondest memory, I must tell everyone this, is one, uh, Roger Daltrey and Pete Tanner weren't really on good terms on this yeah. tour. It was very tense. They had one. That when you, when you, was this? What, what? 81. 81. So you'll read it in their biographies. They weren't talking. Yeah. There was a bit fractured. One was drinking, one weren't, I think, yeah. or something. Anyway, so Daltrey didn't turn up at the Birmingham NEC gig uh, for the sound check. Uh, and they did the real me. Uh, can you see in the real me? What a tune. What? And Townsend sung it. And I'd never seen, I was side stage watching. It was power. And I think because Roger wasn't there and the tension was released, so they had Rabbit on keyboards, Jonesy and, and Entwistle and, and Pete Townsend. So Roger's not there and they did the real me. I'm telling you, it was a sight to behold. It was amazing. And that will always stick with me. Yeah. That taught me a big lesson. That was top, top, top. I'll tell you what, that track... That could have been in the running for a good intro as well, because when oh. that drops in oh. at the beginning, the, the opening credits of Quadrophenia, oh. when he just oh, he's on oh. that and then bang, and that drops in. Oh. And the bassline, yeah. I just oh, listen, you know. And I was there, I was side of stage, you know. Oh, lovely, educational, absolutely educational. Yeah. All right, let's take you back to yeah. um, to shopping for records when you was uh, a, a young man. Oh, man. First record you bought, Dennis. Was it my generation? It Did was. I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, I used to go to the A1 stores. Anyone who lived in um, South London, East Street Market, at the end of East Street Market, was Rossi Ice Cream, and around the corner was uh, A1 stores. And uh, I bought my copy in there. And uh, mum and dad used to go, so 65, so I'm, I'm eight. And mum and dad we would go to parties on Friday, Saturdays nights. Of course, we didn't have babysitters, so a lot of the kids used to go to the parties yeah. and sleep on the on the bed with all the coats, right? Yeah. You know, and I took that record with me to every party, and they wouldn't play it. And I was like choked. I had it on the Brunswick label. I had it, and I cherished it, and I cherished it. And that, that sounds as fresh to me today. I mean, that could be like some indie band. Yeah. It's so fresh. Yeah. How did they do that? It's... Unbelievable. Why wouldn't no one play at the party? Because it was too raucous. Oh, because there was all mums and dads and playing Johnny Mattis and Frank <laughs> Sinatra. And I'm there with me Who record. <laughs> Wanting to rip it up. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'll never forget that. So, how important were, were record shops for you growing up? Absolutely. We had two. Danny, Danny Baker would tell you about the other one. So, here's East Street. Up one end, you've got A1 stores. And up the other end on the Old Kent Road end, so that's the Woolworth Road end. Up the other end was another record shop, and Danny, Danny put a post up about it a little while ago, and I've forgotten the name of it. So we had two. And you'd be in there for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, yeah. just thumbing through. And all there was was progressive, categories progressive, pop, blue soul and jazz, probably. Yeah. And that was your lot. For me, it was like exactly the same. You yeah. know, I'd, I'd go record shopping, and, and the people that worked in the record shops, they were like heroes. Knowledge. Like, Knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's that little bit your... of elitism about them as well. Yeah, you know? a little bit arrogant, <laughs> same as guitar shop people. Yeah, completely. You know, but it was your pocket money. Yeah. Did you save your pocket money up to buy that stuff? It just, that's all it, it was so important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So would Danny Baker have been writing for the enemy at that point yeah, as well? Yeah, Danny was uh, 79, wasn't he? I think he was yeah. in there, 76, 77, 78, 79, yeah. Oh, and he used to work in the record shop? No, he 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 knew that, that one up at the Old Kent Road. I've forgotten it. It's the top of the yeah. Old Kent Road. It's another, a, a little family run it. But yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, it was like, it was a sweet shop. It was like a sweet shop that, and you know, it was all oh, just just a candy shop for me for 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 records. You know, um, you know, buying Itmec by Desmond Decker stuff like yeah. that. You know, just what is that? Great, great stuff. And you'd go home and play it and play it and play it. Is that all you spending your money on at that point? Uh, yeah, I did buy Johnny Seven. 
if anyone remembers a Johnny 7, it was a gun. It had seven attachments. I bought that down the market, the street market in the toy shop. But mainly it was... Uh, Mainly it was records. What's the Johnny 7? I want to know now. If you look it up on a Google Johnny 7, it's a gun. About, um, it's a rifle and it's got a grenade on it. The, Did it have the, the gun stand at the front? That's it, stand at the front. I remember it. It had a rocket launcher, it had a pistol that detached. Um, and yeah, Johnny 7. I mean, you was king of the gang if you yeah, had that, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, everyone had to have a Johnny Seven. Just check it out. Have a look. It's a great. And if anyone's got well. one, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. If anyone's got one, let me know. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So, if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So, you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. All right, so um, you, you, by the time you've left school, yeah, are you starting to? Are you messing around in bands? Um, no, um, I was swimming. I was a London schoolboys champion backstroker. So from the age of eight, I was in the swimming pool. Kept me off the streets. I think I've been a bit of a toe rag, really. Yeah, kept me off the streets. Kept me really fit. Kept me focused. And what it gave me was discipline, because I would be in the pool at six o'clock in the morning, then go to school. And then after school, I was at Crystal Palace at four o'clock in the afternoon swimming. And uh, I, I was London schoolboys champion in 68, 69 with backstroke. So it gave me an immense discipline and kept me off, off the streets. Nice. Which was, you know, important at the time. As I say, I might have been a bit of a naughty boy. Yeah. And so you then... Start playing more seriously. When did you form, when did you form your first band? Then at school, I, I, I watched the old grey whistle test. On, uh, at school, we would talk about Monty Python's on the old grey whistle test. So you watch the old grey whistle test Tuesday night. One night, I saw a band called Doctor Feelgood. Yeah. And the next day, I formed a band. That it changed my life. Another yeah. life changing experience. What was it about seeing Feelgoods? Was it? Yeah, and it's funny. It's a great point. Why not focus? Because why I, not? It's really weird. All yeah. it is is I remember it's mm. watching a, an interview with Paul Weller. Yeah. And he said the minute he saw Wilco. Yeah, yeah. It was Liam Wilco. Yeah. Um, it was their honesty, mm. their no, the, the dress sense. Mm. I immediately went to the Salvation Army and all the second-hand clothes shops. Uh, the one that um, Ian Jury's photographed out front, New Boots and Panties, that was in Victoria. We was there. I was wearing dead man shoes. I was wearing suits. I'd, I'd go and get them like adjusted. Uh, I was buying shirts at the Sally Army for for twenty pence, um, and, and and that's how that that changed my life. I wanted to be in a band like Doctor Feelgood. What it was, I don't know. I'm a working class boy. They were, uh, I know, uh, Wilco is a school teacher, slightly more educated, but. I felt an affinity towards them. I was drawn towards them. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we all loved the bluesers, the, the Howling Wolf, the Little Water, Muddy Waters. And, and that was the link. That was the link. They, yeah. they were playing in their own style, you know. And when I got to meet them, you know, probably seven, six years later, uh, they were everything I thought they would be. They were amazing. Yeah. They, they lived it. They lived it. And it, and it feels now that because uh, they're, they're from like five minutes up the road from yeah, me, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. you know there, there's yeah. a, a we're very proud in Essex of, of, of them, and and um, of unfortunately um, the passing of um, yes, uh, the hot rods last uh, week. Oh Barry, yeah. Oh man, what a lovely guy! What a character! Right. Oh, what a character! But it feels that the feel goods now. 
they get mentioned in the right conversations. It feels they like they now. get there. They, they get there. Do now. now. And I think Wilco's illness has brought that to the yeah. fore. Unfortunately, mm. well, fortunately, he's alive. Mm. But I've been championing Wilco for twenty years, yeah. um, and everybody's thought, "Oh, shut up, Dennis." But I've championed Wilco as one of the greatest white R&B songwriters we've had in yeah. this country. The lyrics that he just got it. She yeah. does it right. Um, checkbook. I mean, you know, amazing, amazing uh, songwriter. Uh, and, and they peaked at that time. And I, I was with Sparko and, and the big figure the other, the other week of uh, Memorial for Lee. And, um, you know, talking about their early days and talking about uh, how it all just exploded. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're similar guys to me. And I think yeah. that's what I, I saw on the television that night was an uh, affinity, you know. And I, I went next day and formed the band. How quickly did you get? Or did it happen? Did you get a record went, deal? No, I went down to the, my school back to Thomas Beckett, and in the Thomas Beckett, uh, it was a boxing ring up upstairs, uh, and all the villains and the police, and the boxers and the footballers and the musicians hung around in the Thomas Beckett. Beryl used to run it. She was a wonderful landlady. Had everybody in control. You did not throw a bit of litter on the carpet in that pub. She was the governor. And I'm talking heavy, heavy villains, heavy, heavy police. And how they, I used to watch it, I used to see them. They, they, they were like the similar fuck <laughs> characters, right? <laughs> um, and then, the, then you'd have, like, because where I come from, you I've got into being a villain or you was a footballer or there was some way out yeah, yeah, or yeah, music yeah. would get you out of that thing. So the, I went, went round to Beckett and I said to Beryl, I had the front, you know, I'd go to Beryl say, I'm a, I've got a band, in, I'm at a school in the Wolf School here. Yeah? Uh, and she gave me residency. She gave me residency on Tuesday nights, 25 quid a night. I mean, that's a feisty audience you're playing to there, right? <laughs> yeah, it sets you up. Yeah. It sets you up, and um, you, you learn how to handle it. Uh, but, of course, you have your mum, your dad, your, yeah. all your mates from school, all coming down supporting us. And then Terry Rawlings, a, a lovely lad from Bermondsey, brought about 50 mods down one night, and we, there was 50 scooters outside. All of a sudden, you're creating a vibe and yeah. a scene. So every like-minded person... And this is in the punk area, mm. uh, era where, where everybody was listening to punk. But you, it was an independent music scene, like we said mm. earlier about you could see Costello, The Damned, uh, ACDC, The Jam, mm. you know. So it was very healthy. And um, everybody would come down and wouldn't admit it, but they liked a bit of R&B. Yeah. You know, and we'd do a few Elvis Costello covers. And we, we, we learnt our trade in the Thomas Beckett. I assume, how long did it take for someone sort of picked up when and you were in? The, 79 is a big year. Uh, I lost my father uh, on a Friday night. Uh, he was 44, I was 21. I lost my dad. And I had, I had Dingwalls, the first ever gig across the Thames. Dingwalls on a Sunday night, blues night. Do I do it or do I not? Had, uh, and I can't tell you now how I did it. Right. So I did it, and in the audience is Paul Jones... And there was a guy who come become our manager. There was, and that night changed my life. But I knew my dad would have wanted me to do it. Yeah, so I did it. I got married in '79. I signed to A and M in '79, right? And uh, so it was a big, big year for us. And this is 40 years ago. Yeah, and it seems like yesterday. And so, once you signed that deal, mm. did you go out on supporting, or did you go out on a headline tour, first, or the first thing we did? They put us on the road. We did every toilet in every part of the city. And it wasn't until we got a phone call to go out with the Kinks yeah. in Europe. So we, we went out with them, um, and that's where I said we were told, you can't do this, you can't do that. We were out with the Kinks, and uh, that was amazing. Uh, and you learn, you learn your etiquette. You learn how to conduct yourself with crew. Very important that you, you're, you're not a, 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 an ass mm. with the crew. And you, you conduct yourself properly and respect everything. And do you know what? You get everything back. Yeah. And um, so that taught me a big lesson. And I, you know, I was sitting there watching. I watched Ray Davis from side stage uh, for six weeks. And I learned 
how to be a front man. He was as good as Jagger at the time. Yeah. He was astonishing. Oh, he's... You know. Something spectacular. You know, we had Lennon McCartney. There was two of them. It yeah. Was just Ray Davis. Yeah. And if you look at that catalogue from 66 to 69, what he produced... It's ridiculous. Way, it's nuts. Genius. So... The first time I saw you was very. I was a very young man, mm -hmm. and and you you popped up on BBC too. <laughs> yeah. Did you realise what you was doing? Because no. you, you was on the first. So I'm, I'm talking about the young ones. It was right? a pilot show. And so it was, was it the pilot? Because I know it was you was on the first one, so that was pilot. the pilot. Yeah. So what what it was is they had a pilot show uh, to show the BBC, you know, whether they could do a series. Yeah. So the pilot show. So that was that came through A and M. This is where. A&M were so great with the Who, the Kinks, the Allman Brothers. We took yeah. the Allman Brothers. I'm, I've just been in Thomas and Beckett and I'm standing next to Greg Allman and Cher. I mean, it was like <laughs> God and goddess, you know, in the dressing room. And they're, hey, man, come in. All that. Oh, just unbelievable. So then, like, yeah, we get this call to do the young ones. Now, we turned up. No one knew nothing. And this is what I like about this. Um... What, what is this show? Nobody knew what to expect. So I walked in, and the first thing I saw was this guy warming up the audience, and he was called Ben Elton, right? So he's warming the audience up, got it all jolly, and they were rehearsing where, where Viv comes through the wall. Yeah. Right? Now, you watch that programme full of chaos, and, and you think it's nuts. They were on it. Yeah. That's what shocked me. And Alexis Sal blew my mind. Yeah. He was intense and funny. And I, I'm there going, I think like this. I, this uh, and it was the first time, you know, yeah. we saw humour like that. Alternative com comedy. It was completely, completely. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it, it was as punk as punk, wasn't it? Absolutely. It was completely Absolutely. confrontational and, and yep. you know, and it was like, yep. you know, yep. it was just, I've never seen anything like never it. Never seen anything like it. And it was so fresh and exciting. And being 22, people, people thinking and, and politically where, where I was, it was like, I, I hadn't had that before. Yeah. All of a sudden we all had something that we could relate to. Yeah. And uh, they, I think what it was is one of them had seen, I'm not sure if it was Rick or Nigel Planner, had seen us at Warwick University. One of them went to Warwick University. Yeah. And at that time, you know, we talked about all the gigs we did. We just went on this university polytechnic. Yeah. If you don't know what polytechnic is, it's um, a university less VAT, isn't it? Yeah, like, that's yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't put there. any better than yeah. that. So, we were doing all them, and one of the guys saw us there and thought yeah. we'd be perfect for, for that for the programme. And I mean, we mentioned earlier the damned of madness mm. on any yeah. given night. Yeah, they were all on the young ones, and it, it was an incredible yeah, lineup of bands. Yeah. Like there was just every yeah. week, there was just mm. a really exciting band. And you know, when we played Dingwalls, Lemmy was at the back because you could drink late at Dingwalls, and Lemmy was always up the back. You know, we was all mixing. Yeah, do you know what I mean? There was no like, oh, you're a rock band, you're heavy metal, yeah. we're, we're blues, we don't talk to you. Yeah, it wasn't like that. It was all mingling and, and together. It was a lovely, lovely time. Wonderful. Yeah, it was. It was really healthy, I think. So when you weren't gigging, mm. I want to know for the next track, uh, Dennis. Mm. When you went clubbing, what song reminds you of that? It was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear, I fell in love with Jodie Watley. We did Top of the Pops later on uh, with my other band, The Truth, and Jodie Watley. She was beautiful, oh, wasn't she? she was up close and personal. She was stunning. And that song, yeah, I like Shalimar. I have to, you know. Night Remembers, a Stone Cold oh, classic, mate. Isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, that, you know, there could be a September yeah. by, by um, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons is another immense favourite of mine. Um, uh, and, and, of course, it wasn't too later on. The drummer sings the opening. Frankie sings the bridge. Uh, uh, and then the middle eight sung by the bass player. Well, anyway, so... You know, as I said to you earlier, you'd ask me today, there'd be five different songs yeah. down there. But Shalimar, yeah, yeah, just what a feel-good song. How where good where, you where feel was you going clubbing? Oh, I wasn't very good at it. I mean, because I remember 
of Mick Talbot and Paul Weller taking the mickey out of me. We'd turn up in the club and look like we weren't welcome now or look out of it. I weren't <laughs> a, I'd, I'd go to a live gig and I'm, I'm fine. I go to the Roundhouse, the Marquee, yeah. the 100 Club. I'm fine. I walk yeah. into a bit of a disco club thing in the, in the late 70s, early 80s. I did stick out. I, it weren't really my thing. Yeah. But I think it was up... Um, Gary Crowley was there... Um, uh, up in Soho somewhere. Yeah. I can't remember the name. But, yeah. What did you want from clubbing if you went? Music. Music. And I, yeah, I'd love to see people dance. I can't dance, really. And when I see people dance, and, and that effect that music has on us. Do you know, I walked out of my house two days ago with my son, and there was a classical lesson coming out the window. I've not heard classical music for for years coming out of a so someone's having a piano lesson and do you know what I said to Sonny I said how good how do you feel I feel great and that's the power of music yeah. no matter what and I just think in schools we've got to get music back on the curriculum yeah. big 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 time because it's it's so so important absolutely. to this this human psyche that we have absolutely mm. track six mm. Favourite song from an artist from your home county? London. Mm-hmm. We'll go yeah, London. Did I go Kinks all to my You did. Yeah, wow. I, did, I, asked Ray, I asked Ray to do this. On, on a dew-soaked leaf creeps a crawly caterpillar is the opening line. It's, it's stunning. And um, so we toured with the Kinks, and I said, um, when we got the confidence, you know, sitting with him, I said, would you play all to my I said, oh, just, it's just got everything to me. And um, he did one night, and then Mick Avery, the drummer, come at them out. He said, was that you? He said, that. He said we haven't played that for 22 years. You know, because Ray would do that. He'd just pull it out yeah. and expect the band to remember it and know it. And I said, yeah, so it's one of my favourites, yeah. Um, wow, what a song. Oh, man. What a song. Like, yeah. To find yourself in a scenario where you're sitting there mm. with Ray Davis is mm. surreal. Mm. When you've spent enough time that you're comfortable to say, do us a favour, play mm. that song. Yeah. I mean, not many well, people get that, that's do they? That's Cheek. I had, I had all the front and Cheek back then. And because I'd done it in such a... He saw I'm, I was meant it. You know, mm. you know, if I can say it to anyone out there, be yourself. Yeah. And you'll get most of what you want. Yeah. Be yourself. Don't be false. Yeah. And you'll get surprising what comes to you. Yeah. And he saw that, you know, I was genuine. I meant it. I'm from Tufnell Park, he's from Muswell Hill. We had so much in common. Yeah. Football, working class. So how did someone that, you know, come from where you come from, you know, working class, mm. deal with the, the, the offerings that, that being in a successful band throw your way? Oh, it's easy, really. I mean, you know, I always you, you, like... You remain grounded. Very much. I always liked Mike Tyson. I look at Mike Tyson. He came out, no socks, no robe, gloves, shorts, ready to fight. No paraphernalia. And I've kept that very, very much like all the rider. I, I hate riders. I hate backstage bullshit. You know, I keep it really, really simple. Uh, and, and that's how I, I, I like to run the band. What's on so, your rider? Uh, well, funny enough, I've just ditched it. Right. I'll tell you why, because I worked out if we ditch it, I save 750 plastic bottles. Really? 750 plastic bottles would have been backstage and consumed. So, um, you know, we've all got them, like, canisters things now with water in it. And uh, stuff like that, you know, very... That's amazing, very, mate. Yeah, you've got to do it. And, and I'll tell you the worst thing, if there's chocolates, sweets, biscuits and Smarties backstage, you will just munch. For yeah. Them. You know, so to take them things out, just to be focused on the music, yeah. you know, and not say, well, where's my avocado sandwich? Yeah. You know... <laughs> Oh, I can't play and all that. Yeah. No, I, don't, I, I, I very Mike Tyson approach to, uh, you know, no no frills, really. How would you do with it if you see, you know, back back when you, you know, you, mm. you, you're doing like these sort of tours and that. If you was to see someone else playing up like that, would you address it? It's probably not for me to address it, but yeah. I, I would think 
a little bit less of them, you know, yeah. you know, maybe, you know. And if we want a Jack Daniels or a Remy Martin, we'll go out and have a, have a you know, go and buy a bottle. You know, I just, I just, that's not important. Even the hotels, funny enough. I mean, my partner, Mark Felton, he, he, he loves his hotel and he loves a bit of, you know, pampering. Fine, and I respect that, but for me, I, as long as there's a bed and it's dry, yeah, I'm, I'm cool, you know. I, I won't fuss. Yeah. He might change. He might change his room two or three times in an hotel because the sunlight ain't right and the curtains ain't right. But me, I don't care. But it takes all sorts. Yeah, of not course. everyone's like me. Yeah. One thing fascinated me: the Kinks, right? They have a curry backstage after every show, right? So I've got a night off in Chicago, over the US of A. I go and see the Kinks, and hey, there you go. I go backstage. They've got a curry. And it was just like a curry from England, which is unusual in the States because yeah. their, their approach on curry is different to ours. Far different, our, yeah. Ours is unique. And I said to the lads, where the hell? They said, oh, we found a chef, so, 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 so. So they, they hunted down. And see, the kinks were like that. They were very... They'd have a curry, a Ruby Murray, after the show. Yeah. Same as Dr. Feelgood, funny enough. They, Lee called it a Ruby Murray or a Len Murray. You know, everybody had a different name for a, for a curry. And... Um, the kinks, how did you get, you know, that standard of British yeah, yeah, yeah. in Chicago? Unheard of. Yeah. Unheard of. It's great, uh, you know. So every band's got a little quirk, but I do like, you know, pretty pretty simple backstage facilities, yeah. you know. All right. Yeah, yeah. Don't like the frills and the spills. Last track. Sure. A song that many may not know, yeah. but you would like them to hear. Did I choose Up? You did. Oh, yeah. Okay, Up. We're from Lewisham, UPP. Uh, you can't get it on Spotify. Uh, I had to... F- I, you I you can. To- can you? Yeah, I found it, found it yesterday. Fantastic. About time. Because <laughs> I hadn't heard this track, so yeah. I was doing a bit of prep. What one was it? Uh, never never Turn My Back, back on, on You. you. Yeah. yeah. So, so Up were a three-piece band. Bass player was called Stephen Amazing. Uh, Alan Clark was on keys and uh, the drummer. Um, I I was at school and and um, uh, the the one of uh, one one guy said, oh, "Do you want to come and see up their support in Wishbone Ash, Amersmith Odeon?" And I went and uh, tagged along with this. I, I must find. I think his name was Chris. Lovely guy so helpful towards me in my early days. He took me and I did a bit of roadie in uh, 76, 77, backstage at Hammersfield and they were supporting Wishbone Ash. And this three-piece band were playing Philadelphia Soul. Yeah. Right? And their mate was Jeff Beck. So I got their first, I think they only made two albums, and uh, I followed them everywhere, but they they never got out. I saw them at the marquee, yeah. but they never quite made it. Yeah. But... Um, wow, I mean, anyone out there, just listen to them two albums, um, and they they were amazing. No one was doing it. They, I suppose that's what it was. Yeah. Not like Nine Below Zero, we had Dr. Feelgood, Eddie, Eddie yeah. and Hot Rods, and all the guys, we had a, 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 a sort of a, an energy of that sort of thing. Up were just, there was no one like them. They're out there on their own. On their own. Yeah. That's the thing. If you can, you know, if you've got like minded bands wrapped around you that, you know, so you, you can ride the wave together. You can ride the wave, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't have that, but oh man, what a band! What a band! That track's like, incredible. Is isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? Like, I, I didn't know what to expect yeah. from it. Yeah, and uh, and it's white boy soul, it's wasn't complete, it? Complete, like, yeah. Blue eyed, blue eyed soul. Blue eyed soul. Is that, is that well what done. they call it? Well oh, no, yeah, you, no, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Blue eyed soul. Yeah. yeah, lovely. And a talented bunch of guys and. Um, they used to come, they used to rehearse at New Cross and as I say, you know, I got got to briefly meet them and, and, and Glenn, Glenn and I from Squeeze often talk about them because he, he, he found them as well at that time but knew the guys more than me. Have you worked with, with Squeeze? With yeah, Glenn? yeah, one of the tracks on the album, I've had the privilege to write with Chris and Glenn, uh, genius songwriters. Mm. Uh, very, 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 I mean, writing with them's easy because yeah. you... you you whack the ball over the net and it comes back, you know. It's not like you whack it and nothing comes back. Yeah. You've got, you've got ideas and you're bouncing ideas. And when you're writing with quality songwriters, it's simple. 
yeah. easy because you know when you're a songwriter, you could come up with a worse Wally idea, but you must never be frightened to say it because what yeah. that could do is open up yeah, of course. something else. So you could, you, with songwriting, you really wear your heart on sleeve. Yeah. So what's happening now? What, what's yeah, 40th anniversary tour, new album, Avalanche. Um, yeah, I've still got lots of things in the diary to do, so, yeah. Um, Where's the tour taking you? Uh, Southend. <laughs> Whereabouts? Uh, Chinneries. Lovely. Yeah, and, um, yeah, we're all over, all over four, uh, 20 dates. Lovely. Yeah, all over the place, yeah, so um, enjoying it. I think, you know, I've got a really good band. I've got my son on drums. Um, How's that? Mm. How's that sort of 20 days away mm. in, in the band environment with your boy in the band? Um, we share a room as well. Because we like <laughs> I mean, that. yeah. that's intense. Um, it is intense, and sometimes it's hard being a father and the boss. Yeah. Oh, God. And it course, causes yeah. a bit of tension. But if I could say to anyone out there, go and play music with your children. It's just the most uh, thrill of a lifetime. You just can't imagine it, you know. And um, he's good, and he's arrogant, and he's, he gives me grief. But... He gives me energy. He, yeah. he turns me. I mean, he said to me like three, two years ago, three years ago, Dad, you heard Taming Parlor. I went, oh, the, you know, and I'm going to him. You heard Santana. Yeah, so it's a lovely way of exploring music together. Lovely. Yeah. It is. It is really nice. Yeah. So, but tense, tense at times. And if we have a row, the other four members, it can be uncomfortable. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. If you have a row, it's quite intense. Yeah. You know, so we try not to do that. Yeah. So if you come on stage and go, you can't have a rollock. You yeah. gotta just hold it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe when you get home. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> and he'll do. He'll do. He'll pull me up, and it's fantastic. You know. Brilliant. You know, I've brought him up. You know, to express himself, and he does let me have it at times. Keep you on your toes. Absolutely. Where can people find out about the shows? Uh, website. Ninebelowzero.com. Yeah. And uh, you can find everything you need there. We've got Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those social medias. Because as I say on stage, we're not on the radio, we're not on the telly. You can't read about us in the press. So social media's been quite a, uh, a positive for us. Well, we'll tag you in everything when this Thank comes you. out. Thank and you very much. Dennis, it's been an absolute privilege. Thank you, Gil. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. There you go. Thanks for listening. Thanks massively to Dennis for doing that. Um, I told you he was an absolute gem, wasn't he? And it's it's really nice to 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 just find out these incredible stories that you, you know I do a bit of prep for these and and I start to sort of you know I start off with Wikipedia and I have a little look through and and uh, and if they're musicians um, where I don't know like their whole catalogue I'll go and have a a listen on Spotify to kind of get a a real feel for 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 the conversation and. It's just amazing when these conversations just unfold into, you know, and then, you know, when they're talking about just, uh, you know, requesting Ray Davis to play a track. I mean, Christ, I mean, nobody gets these opportunities. And so it's so nice to to be able to see what it's like and get to have a little peek behind the curtain of what, what it, you know, was like to have been one of those bands that, that toured with um, these these huge, huge bands. Um, so, yeah, thanks ever so much again for listening, and I will be back next week. In the meantime, go and check out 9belowzero.com uh, and have a look in the back catalogue, and also check out podbiblemag.com. See you later. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that?
If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.